Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. I'm here with the well, first of all, this is me, Eden, and Kim is here with me. Hi, Hi. Kim. Hi. Hi. We're going to get right into our guest today because we have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to I will introduce him. Um, So this is David Richmond, and he's an entrepreneur, speaker, author, athlete and philanthropist. He is here to talk about his book, which is Cycle of Lives. And in the book, David explores 15 people's emotional journeys with cancer caregivers, patients, loved ones, doctors, etc., and the various traumas in their lives that affected their experience. These stories are interwoven amongst the narrative of David's solo 5,000-mile bike ride to go meet the book participants, whom he had been interviewing for a few years. 100% of the net proceeds of the book are being donated to various cancer-related charities picked by the book participants or their survivors, and other cancer-focused charities. Uh, David's book is so inspirational, insightful, and evocative. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear all about this. This is something just that's so unique. Hi, David. How are you? <laughs> Hi. Well, thank you. That was really sweet, Eden. That was very nice. Um, yeah, you know, I every time I hear it, I'm like, when I hear somebody talk, I go, oh, I got to remind them it's not a book just about cancer, right? Um because some people, I literally, one of my friends who actually is in the book for a second, I wrote about him in the book for a second. He goes, he finished the book yesterday. He, he listened to an audible and he called me up and he's like, dude, you didn't tell me like, uh, like some of these stories are going to make me feel good. And it was going to be like inspirational or whatever. <laughs> he said, I have been not wanting to listen to this thing because I don't want to be all depressed and sad and brought down. I'm like, no, 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 it's not that. So just because it's a book about cancer and people that, you know, dealt with cancer survivors, loved ones, whatever, doesn't mean that it's a heavy, depressing book. It's, it's actually mm-hmm. pretty inspirational. Yeah. That's okay. really, yeah, that's nice. Um, it's very unique and extraordinary for sure. I've never heard anything like this. And yeah. could you tell us more about the story behind your book and the dedication to your sister and how all that started? Yeah, sure, Kim. Thanks. So what what happened was um, I was going through some personal changes at a time in my life. I had four-year-old twins and I was in a really horrible, traumatic relationship. It was like married to an abusive alcoholic, right? And I was very unhappy. It was kind of a dangerous situation for me and my kids. And it's like, Finally, we got to the point where, man, we got to get out of here or something bad's going to happen. So we get out. I'm a smoker. I'm overweight. I'm not athletic. I'm like, oh, you know, like I got to start living my life. And so I'm at that point. Right at that same time, I get a call from my sister who's 
happily married and two beautiful kids and great circle of friends or whatever. And she calls me up and she's like, Hey, um, yeah, I got terminal brain cancer. So mm. yeah, I'm going to die. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, so here she is kind of going down this journey of the end of her life. And I'm at the same and we're very close in age. We're like less than a year and a half apart. And I'm going down this journey where I feel like my life's just starting. So it kind of gave us like a really, like different view of the world right during this time. Mm -hmm. And we had just these really deep kind of uh, emotional ongoing talks while she was going through her cancer. And a couple of years later she died and I was kind of watching people as I did events that raised money for the cancer center that took care of her. I noticed that people were really, really good about talking to each other about like, the tasks around their cancer or whatever, right? How do I get my kids watched? Why I need to take time off of work? Um, how do I eat better? You know, how do I reduce my stress? How do I find a good doctor? All of this stuff. But when it came to talking about the feelings, like what does it feel like? How do, how do you talk to your kids? What does your husband think? What does your girlfriend think? Like, oh, right. All of this stuff. When it comes to those hard conversations, I don't think most people were equipped to have them. It's really, really really hard. And as I got further into it, I said, man, I wonder if that's just me thinking it's that way, or if it's really that way. And like for the next couple of years, every single person I spoke to that was dealing with cancer survivor, loved one, patient, doctor, whatever was like, yeah, you know, the emotional side of it's just, no, I don't, I don't like to talk about it. And I said, ah, there's an idea for a book. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. So on, I guess, in addition to that, how did you even get them, these participants to be op to open up to become vulnerable and talk to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So imagine if you, you know, like, did you ever hear that book, like Faces of New York? Or remember, they used to have that book series way back in the day it was like a day in the life of America or something like that. They, you want to see like, what's representative of, of a day, right? Or you want to see what's yeah. representative of a city. I said, I want to see what's representative of the emotional trauma of cancer. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I had to get like people with different ages, people that had cancer five times or people that were just afraid of getting cancer. I had to say people that um, had a different emotional responses to cancer. They were young, they were old, they were caregiver, they were patient, they were loved one, whatever. But what I wanted was I didn't want the book to be about the cancer. I wanted it to be about the emotional journeys that cancer, whether they're patient, loved one or caregiver, whatever had on them, but in relation to all the traumas before that. Mm. So long answer to your question, Eden, but what I wanted to do was to get this 360 view from all different angles. And so I just, I called around, I, I cold called hospitals and cancer centers. And I'd say something like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for like a young male, maybe like Latino or something, maybe that has a really interesting story, you know, serious cancer or not, but somebody that, you know, maybe has a really evocative story and an emotional journey that, that I could tap into to maybe understand what they went through. And they'd go, Oh, I don't know anybody like that, but you know what? We got this one woman she's really crazy. She's got this great story and the life that she led was this and blah, 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 blah. And I'd go, Ooh, yeah, that sounds good. So I just, I, I wanted to feel in that, that circle. So I, I started talking to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people all around the country. 
and kind of got into their stories. And when I felt like that story was super deep and super inspirational or evocative and would represent a slice of that emotional trauma pie, then I, then I started to talk to them. And then eventually we found out who was able to go really deep, who I wasn't maybe able to, to bond with at a deep enough level. And we eventually got to what I thought was a really good 360 view of that. Mm, that's a, sounds like a long process. How long was that? Did that yeah, take to gather that, everybody? That, that took a few years. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And then I talked to each person for a couple of years. Okay. Because Eden, if I were to say like, oh, okay, well, tell me about, you know, XYZ situation you went through. And then I go, well, let's, let's start at the beginning here. So, you know, kind of like, like what's your relationship status? You know, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? When did you grow up? What kind of traumatic things happened in your life and how did those affect you and your ability to connect to the people that you love or what things prevented you from connecting to the people that you love. And, I, and the reason why I'm asking you all these personal questions, Eden, is because I want Kim to really understand possibly how to better connect with you if she maybe gets a really, really deep insight to what you're going through or what you've gone through in your life, right? That takes a long time to be able to do that at a super deep, authentic level. Mm -hmm. You know, like how long would it take to really get to know you and how whatever traumas you might've had in your life affected your ability or your inability to kind of deal with the emotional things and your, our whole hope is that somebody gets to know you well enough that they could go, oh, that's how you deal with that kind of stuff. Or that's how I might get some insight into how to deal with people that are going through something like what Eden went through. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Deeply like, help many people because out of all of those stories, I'm sure that someone's going to pick a lot or even just a few things that are going to help them in their journey. Yeah. And, and, and look, uh, not every story, uh, um, uh, you know, rings with every person because sometimes it's just, it's not on our emotional level or we can't really identify with it. And the, the can I give you an example? Can I tell you one of the stories? Yes. Yeah. So let me give you, yeah. let, let me give you an example of how it, it kind of doesn't resonate. So I first started talking to one of the book participants, Patricia. Okay. And she was like, oh, nobody wants to talk to me. My story's not that interesting. Don't worry. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to care. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, let's, let's find out. And I said, so, so like, what's your approach to life? Cause I know you, you know, my, 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 the person referred you said you had like five different cancers or whatever. What's your approach to life? And she goes, oh, well, you know, I just get up out of bed every day and put my feet on the ground and go about my day. And I'm like, Oh my God, shoot me. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right. It's so trite. And it's just like, whatever, like, how is that going to help anybody? That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. But I went, Oh, well, well, tell me more. And so what I learned about Patricia was that she had cancer five different times, five different types of cancer Ugh. over a 35 year period. Wow. And not only that, but during a couple of times she was the caregiver. One time she was even getting her own chemo and helping her dad as her dad's primary caregiver as he was going through terminal cancer. Oh. Okay. Now that's not her story. You know, her story is she met somebody just a few months before her first cancer, the love of her life who ended up being with her during this whole thing. And her, like the guilt that she felt, the shame that she felt, the embarrassment that all of the things that she felt about what she put him through and how, how much gratitude she had for the life that he gave her because 
you know, he, he was able to take care of her while she was, you know, going through all these cancers or whatever. And I thought, wow, that's pretty inspirational, but that's not even her story. Her story really starts with the fact that she was kept hostage for four years by a terribly abusive boyfriend. He was a household name. Couldn't, I can't tell you who it is. She, she told me who it was. And I was like, what the F and, um, couldn't talk to anybody had to be shut off from the family it was like the most absolutely horrible experience she had to go like all julia roberts and change you know from that movie and change her you know remember that movie julia roberts was in she had to change her persona and and come yeah. up with a new identity she had to do that to escape from him either she was sleeping with die, the enemy sleeping with the enemy she yeah. had to go all sleeping with that julia roberts and sleeping with the enemy to escape and i'm thinking to myself oh my god the life this woman has led. And when I said near the end of our thing, I go, geez, you know, you told me early on something about your approach to life. And she goes, yeah, David, she goes like every day, I'm just thankful to be alive. I get up, I put my feet on the ground. I, and I go about my day. Sometimes all I got the energy for is to make my bed and then fall back into it. She goes, but every day I'm really thankful. I get up and I, and I, and I, and I put my feet on the ground. I go about my day and I'm just like, whoa, now that resonates, right? Yeah. If, you would, if you would have told me generically, somebody was strong enough to go through cancer five times and the whole love of the life and the whatever, I'd be like, okay, well, all right. But now wrap it around the fact that this poor woman went through four years of the most abusive thing you could ever imagine. And she still had the will to live and to love and to be loved over that long of a period of time and be such a caregiver and such a deep emotional person, I can learn from that. Right. So yeah. when somebody says something trite to me, you know, the next time, Hey, I just put my feet on the ground. I'm like, Ooh, I bet there might be more to the story. Yeah. Well, Oh, wow. She's incredible. And I, I wonder, is she still alive? Yes. So she's wow. Good for her. That's yeah. She's, she's still alive. She does. She does say, if she ever gets cancer again, like literally there's nothing to cut out. She can't do any more chemo. She can't have any more radiation. It, you know, it'll take her, but, um, but can you imagine just like what she's gone through and has such a positive attitude that she's just like, Hey man, I'm just happy to be alive every day. Well, yeah. Good for her. Just that story alone sounds like a movie. So yeah, I yeah. know, right. That's beautiful and amazing. Yeah. It's interesting. Wow. We, had, we had someone on our show about four months ago Peyton Lynch and she wrote a book not not the same as yours but it reminds me a little bit because yeah. she interviewed um children of 9-11 mm. um, were killed in 9-11 and it, book, yes. I think it was about like 15 or 20 mm -hmm. different children yeah and um and that was powerful in itself as well so this is something that is like you said, I think it's not talked about enough what the people go through. And someone we lost recently that has been on our show, Jamie Goldman Marseille, um, her she just passed of cancer and her husband just posted today about how it's been a month and he doesn't know how he's going to get through this. It's mm. getting harder mm. you know, to get through. And she was one that would say, you know, find joy in the journey, no matter what you're going through. And so, um, I love your what your book represents. Well, I think yeah, thanks. And what were you gonna say? Eden? <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that she Jamie was someone who 
who had cancer, who inspired other people, like lifted everybody up around her so that they wouldn't feel bad or feel uh, sorry for her. And yeah. now that she's not here, I can imagine those people that are left behind don't know how to lift themselves because they counted on her for that. Can, yeah. can I also make another assumption? My assumption is that there are people out there that have no idea what to say to her husband. What do you say to somebody who's going through what he's going through? It's easier to not say anything because you don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. And that's what I think the book will help people do is to understand maybe some of what might be behind what they've gone through, maybe some of it so that you feel a little bit more empowered to connect with him, because I know there's people in my life. I'm sure both of you are this way, too. And anybody that's listening, there's people like him that we're a little bit avoiding because we don't know what to say and we don't want to say the wrong thing and we don't want to invade their personal space at this time or whatever. Right. And so that could be a very lonely place for somebody like him. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's easy to say it. I, I, I'm sorry if I sound preachy or prescriptive, I'm not trying to do it, but just to figure out a way that you tell yourself it's safe to go reach out. It's safe mm -hmm. to talk to him. Do you know? like that it's hard to do but it's probably what he needs because losing his his the love of his life is very isolating but also knowing that people are kind of keeping their distance from you because they don't know what to do that's very isolating too yeah so there's you know after you the loss happens then there's so much more that you have to deal with besides your own grief there's it's just like I don't know. It's a yeah. lot. And, and do you, I wanted to know from you, do you keep in touch with everybody you worked with in the, on this book? Not everyone, but quite a few I do. And some of them have turned into very, very close friends, um, oh, yeah. very close friends, you know, yeah. and some of them are going through really, really difficult times. In fact, um, one of the reasons why the, the guy uh, that my friend had just finished the book yesterday and called me up, I was so happy that he did. Um, was because one of the people in the book we both knew we both met the guy at the same time and i was just like oh man dude you got to make it into my book and mm. and, that, and that dude just he became a friend of ours and he happened to pass away a couple of years ago and my my buddy was like oh man i don't want to read about dominic because it's going to tear my heart out but dominic's story is also kind of inspiring so he was just like wow that's that you know that's cool <laughs> but yeah i do I, I do keep in touch with quite a few that's really cool yeah, I'm very lucky. And yeah. that and and with what you did with writing 5,000 miles to go meet the book participants, you also have done in the last 15 years, 50 over 50 triathlons, ran 85 miles in Mexico. Um, you did this bike ride and, and there's this whole long list of different things you've done that are extreme athleticism mm -hmm. and endurance and motivation. So can you tell us about some of these and how do you what drives you like that just sounds to me like a five mile bike ride sounds hard <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well there's a there's a there's a um i'm working with a lot of uh um cancer centers and you know different charities or whatever and there's one in texas that's doing a 24-hour bike ride in june and they're like hey you want to come out and do it and i'm like oh, okay i'll do it a 24-hour <laughs> bike ride let's do it you know it sounds hard but okay we'll do it um you know um I mean, you guys are, are coaches and you, you help people get from point A to point B, right? Sometimes point A to point B is, you know, being honest with yourself. Sometimes it's, you know, being more expressive. Sometimes it's 
changing bad habits or whatever, right? There's things we need to do. For me, um, I wanted to get healthy and and I thought that doing things like running and biking, whatever, were going to be healthy for me. But I really found that starting to do like long distance stuff, endurance stuff was really good for my mind, my emotions, my psychological well-being, my development, my ability to learn. I mean, it was really good for me on a lot of levels. So it's, it's you know, some people meditate, some people do yoga, some people write, some people drink wine, whatever the thing is that gives you a minute within your own head. But I think one of the the greatest joys in life is if you ever just stop, like when do we ever just stop and like sit in the park and stare at the trees for a couple hours or have a heart to heart with yourself about a topic so you can come up with the answers. We just don't do it very often. And for me, um, doing it, you know, during a five hour run in the desert or, a, you know, a multi-day bike ride, you know, alone on the, on the highways of, of New Mexico or whatever, that it's a good place to learn stuff. So it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very alluring to do those things because it's, I, I like, I like to learn. I like that. <laughs> How about like the, the physical part of it? Like, does, does it cause injury or, <laughs> you know, do you, feel extremely sore after like how do you stay in that kind of shape oh you know um i'm not young right i'm 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 not young so it's it it, and it's so funny too because i have people that tell me all the time they're like oh your age i could never do anything like that i'm like shut up like anybody could do if you wanted to right if you wanted to and and what drives me is this like i've learned the difference between it hurts and you're gonna hurt yourself right like it's supposed to hurt, but you're not supposed to hurt yourself. Right. <laughs> so I, I've learned, learned that difference, but let me tell you a super qu- quick story. And this is what kind of drives me to do it. Right. And, and how I'm able to do it is, is this learning thing. So I was doing, if, if either of you ever been on rollerblades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am not coordinated. I should not be on rollerblades. Okay. <laughs> I did an 85 mile, 87 mile rollerblade race in Georgia. Oh my, oh my gosh. 87 miles on rollerblades was completely stupid and like three hours in i'm at the end of my rope i got no energy i'm toast i'm just it's the worst i think it's one of the very first endurance things i ever did i had no business being out there and i get to this point where i'm like oh this is as far as i can go i'm done like i gotta quit and i'm leaning over my knees and i'm getting all bummed out at myself and it's the end of uh, september sweating like pig it was absolutely horrible I'm cursing myself and I'm getting down on myself and I look down at the ground and I just see this puddle there and I go, Hmm. All right. So if you just turn around and go home, like you're going to know everything about yourself, just, just pack it in, go home and just, just hang up your skates and be done. Or just take a step forward. Like, like learn what you're capable of. Just do one more step. And if you will, you learn something and a little bit more, you learn a little bit more. And, and I've kind of just learned that when things are hard, either, a hard conversation with an employee or with a loved one, or if it's hard, like you got to give up a bad habit, or if it's hard, like I got to push my body to find out what I'm made of. That's where all the good learning happens. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's where you learn stuff. And how, how sweet is it to be able to push yourself to the level where you're not taking the easy route out? Cause when you, when you do the easy route, you already know, like, I already know what it's going to, feel like to sit on the couch and watch something on Netflix for five hours. I already know what that feels like. 
But you know what I don't know what it feels like when I really, really want to do that. And instead I go out for a three hour bike ride. I don't know what that feels like. Let me see what I can learn. Wow. I love that perspective. It's, it's all about how we're looking at things. And, um, and I think that's a great challenge. I, I love listening to you talk about that because it makes the wheels turn in the brain like, hmm, how can I shift my perspective and be more aware of everything I'm doing? Because we get caught up in those habits, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, and we talked about that on last week's episode, actually, about vices and habits. But some of them really could be shifted by just reframing them and, and seeing what we can learn. So I love that. Yeah. So can you tell us about, I know one of the other stories in your book is um, about someone named Kimberly who had commitment to family and overcoming tragedy. Could you tell us more about her story in your book? I can. And it's kind of, it just hit me right now that you would want to know Kimberly's story because you're wearing a butterfly necklace and her story really revolves around some butterflies. Oh, I mean, really, it's it's really a moving story. So uh, a friend of mine uh, told me about this story about these butterflies. And I'm like, oh, that's a little out there, man. I don't think I'm buying into this whole butterfly thing. And I, I won't I'm get into the details of it. But she said, well, they're very good friends or childhood friends. She's a childhood friend of mine and she's going through terminal brain cancer. And I think you should talk to her and her husband. They have a really amazing story. So I called the husband and I go, Hey, you know, do you guys want to talk? And he's like, no, it's really a bad time. We, we really can't talk. And I said, okay. And then my friend said, did you get a chance to talk to him? And I said, no. And she goes, Oh my God. I mean, honestly, who would ever believe that he had to tell her that she had terminal brain cancer and she looked up and cried tears of joy and said, thank God to him. And I'm like, what? Cause you just, we're talking about shifting your perspective. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's no possible way anybody was told that they have terminal brain cancer and they cried tears of joy and said, thank God. There's just not, it's not possible. Right. Because I'm closed minded. I didn't really understand the depth of what people have gone through or what they're going through. Right. I was too simple minded about this kind of stuff and never really wanted to lean into trauma and lean into this idea. So Kimberly's story is just amazing because what happened was she, she marries her, her husband. They have kids, um, a few kids. One of her kids tragically dies at 18 months. Um, a really, really tragic uh, story. And they have a couple of more kids and they're having this beautiful life. They're very successful. They're, you know, big time people in the town. They're, they're wonderful. They're close to their family. Life is great for both of them and all of them. And then all of a sudden she starts to break down. She's, she changes. She becomes a little angry. She becomes um, less open-minded, less happy. She starts getting depressed and she's very moody. She's not treating her kids the same way and her mom the same way and her friends the same way. And she's just turning into this rotten person. And he's no angel, but he's like, man, it's her. And I know it's her. And so they're fighting. They go to counseling. The counselor's like, man, you know, you got to ease up on your husband and blah, blah. And she's just going through this downward spiral of what a bad person she's turning into. And over a couple of years, as the family is just about ready to break apart, she gets this moment of clarity and says, man, you got to, you got to, you got to commit me to the hospital. I, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm mentally ill. Get, you know, get me out of your guys's life. It's the only way to save our family is to get rid of me. 
take me to the hospital, check me in. So he checks her into the hospital and they do a battery of tests on her unbeknownst to him, right? I mean, they're literally at the breaking point. He gets a call like 12 hours later, says, you need to come down here right now. Your wife has a grapefruit sized tumor in her brain. She needs to go in immediately for surgery, one of which should probably never come out. But if she does come out, it's probably not going to be a good prognosis, but you need to tell her what's happening. So he gets in his car. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. He gets in his car, he drives down there and he wakes her up at three in the morning and he says, I got to wheel you in for surgery right now. They assembled this whole team and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what? And he goes, yeah, you have a grapefruit sized tumor in your brain. And she starts crying and she said, oh, thank God it's not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's this woman who thought that she had to throw away her family, everything that she built her whole life for her kids, the husband that she was able to build this wonderful life with, even through the death of a child. Right. And now she, she, she knows it's, it's not her, it's this cancer. So she goes through the surgery and she doesn't live much longer after, but they were able to really reconcile their lives and really tie everything together with the family and the kids even her young daughter, she had, she had a daughter late in life um, with her husband and, and even, even was able to wrap up some things with her around the stories of butterflies and stuff. And, and it's a sweet, sweet story, but now I don't go, I changed what you said earlier, uh, sorry for the long story, but I changed my perspective in that if somebody told me something that I might shrug or roll my eyes at, they were happy to hear brain cancer. Yeah. Right. I might go, Oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> there might be a whole lot more behind that. If you're telling me that's the way it is, or if that's the way it is for you, maybe I ought to lean in and go, why is that? You know, t- tell me more. Right. And so her story is amazing. Oof. Yeah. And it's amazing that the, the cancer was the best, the, the, what did they call it? The, the better of the two evils. Yeah. Yeah. She felt yeah. like she'd rather have that than have something wrong with her personality and not love her family anymore. I know, right? Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. That, that, your book, it just, it's like something everybody should have because it's not just people to, that could relate to it who have been through something like that. It's also just, you, you could apply that to everything in life. Totally. Yeah. I mean, look, look, uh, who likes to lean in to hard conversations, man? If you got, if you got to fire somebody, if you got to break up with someone, if you got to scold your kid, who wants to do those things, man, they're hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're really difficult. And we don't know if we're going to do them right. And you know how big, right. It's just hard to have hard conversations. And especially when we're invading somebody's personal space, you know, like, like your friend's husband and, 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 and so I'm hoping what this book will do is give people the self-permission. Like I'm, I'm going to give myself permission to say the wrong thing to, to not assume they, that, that just because I think somebody wants something, this is what I'm going to give them or not give them. Right. Right. So it's the permission to go a little bit further and have, and have the hard conversation because it might connect you in a better way. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I love that you got to share so much of your book with us and, and just a lot of life, really deep wisdom that we can work on implementing in our daily lives. I know I will. Um, so can you tell us how to find your book and oh. anything else you have coming up? You're, 
you already told us about your um, 24 hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's amazing that you do that. So can you tell us more about how to find you and how to get your book? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, like you said, at the beginning, the, the proceeds from the book, I'll go to charity there. They're, the charities are listed in the book. They're also listed on my website. So cycleoflives.org. Uh, we're a nonprofit. So anything that comes in goes out. And um, yeah, the book is uh, sold on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. You know, it's out on Audible. It's Audible's awesome. There's 15 different voiceover actors that that each uh, read one of the stories, which is really phenomenal. Um, and yeah, wherever books are sold, you can find the book, uh, you know, electronic real book or audio book. And, uh, like I said, hopefully you'll be inspired and maybe grab a tool or two to use when you, when you're dealing with somebody that's going through something traumatic and, and also, um, raise a little bit of money for good organizations. Awesome. Thank wow. you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you both for having me on. And, uh, and talking to me, I really, really enjoyed it. And if you do get a chance, I'm telling you, Kim, you got to read, you got to read her story about the butterflies. It'll, yes. It'll, it'll really yeah. hit you. Yeah. Since you didn't tell us the whole story with the butterflies, I, I, I know I feel like I can't wait to read it to find out what that, the, that part of the story is. So you're, you're like leaving a, you're, it's a cliffhanger for everybody. I, right? I am. And I, it's, I'll tell you just one thing, one thing. Okay. The unbelievable sometimes is believable. It's not always believable mm -hmm. but the unbelievable is sometimes believable and and i love that about this this book is is i would never believe some of the things that people told me if i didn't hear them tell it to me mm -hmm. with tears in their eyes from the bottom of the heart sometimes them saying to me i've never told this to anybody before right yeah. that that's cool so sometimes the unbelievable is believable and it makes it really really cool mm. i love it yeah that's kind of how we live our lives too there's just miracles all over, all around us, signs, symbolism, all of that. That's mm -hmm. what kind of a, where we, we're always looking for those things. So this is right up our alley. Nice. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> in our next week's episode, the beginning, we were going to talk a little bit about how the unbelievable is believable. <laughs> so there you go. That, that leads into a good segue, right? Right. There exactly. You go. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you both for sticking around and for talking to me. I really, All really right. enjoyed thank it. Thank you, everyone. You guys are great. Thank you. You too. Right. Thank, thanks. Bye. Sure. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>